0: This is the Drummers Resource Podcast, session 437. And the quote of the day is: stay disciplined, work hard, always believe in your dreams, and go after them. You're listening to the Drummers Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. What's up boys and girls, Nick Ruffini here, episode 437. Once we get to 500, I don't know what's going to happen. It may get crazy. I don't know. Maybe we'll go to every day. Maybe we'll do five podcasts a week or seven podcasts a week. I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen? Anything is possible. And uh, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. If you haven't checked out the podcast already, this is the first episode you've ever checked out. There are 437 other episodes you can listen to for free on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, all that fun stuff. If you've been listening for a while, do me a favor. Leave a rating or review on iTunes. That helps people know about it and lets people know that this is a legitimate podcast and that they they should be listening to it, too. Uh, Quickly, this episode is free thanks to our great supporters, and one of them is Dream Symbols. They've been with us for a very long time, and Dream Symbols does something different than most symbol companies do because they make amazing symbols and they don't break the bank. These symbols are significantly cheaper than most other symbols, and they sound amazing. I recommend that you go and check them out by going to dreamsymbols.com and support them. They keep this podcast free, and I ask that You just support the companies that support this podcast. So check them out. Go to dreamsymbols.com. So the conversation today is with Alvin Ford Jr. And Alvin is, he's a young phenom drummer. He's out in New Orleans. And I mean, he's not so young anymore. He's not old either, but uh, he's been at it for a while and, He's played with Pretty Lights. He's played with... Or now he's playing with Trombone Shorty. Uh, He's getting ready to go out with Carl Denson. He's played with Dumpster Funk. And he and I got introduced actually backstage at the Trombone Shorty show. I was there hanging with Stan Moore. And Alvin was there. We started chatting. I said, dude, we should get you on the podcast. And he... He decided to uh, throw himself into the ring of fire and come on to the podcast. So super stoked about it. This is a great conversation. We talk about how he built his career. He talks about the hard work that went into it. He talks about you know that that gap of of where you are and where you want to be and how you can get there. So just a, a really inspiring, honest, open and raw conversation with Alvin. So let's get into it. The man, Alvin Ford Jr. Alvin, what's up, dude? How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. How you feeling? I'm fantastic. Thanks for doing this. I'm glad that we uh, we finally got it. We finally got it linked up here. So where are you? So you uh, you're in Austin, Texas, right now, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Austin, Texas. Out with a uh, trombone, Shorty right now. Uh, just finished taping. Uh, doing the ACL live TV taping. So, nice. Yeah, man. Here, sitting on the back of the tour bus right now, hanging out,
0: living the dream. Uh, trying (laughs) (laughs) so you and i uh we just we recently just met at the uh at the trombone shorty new orleans throwdown so i was there hanging with stanton and uh and you guys were all you guys were backstage so i'm glad that we got to connect in person before we before we did this man that was a hell of a show by the way hell of a show
1: yeah man that was that was a that was a really good time um i had never played the Greek theater in Berkeley before and uh I know about all the epic acts and shows that come through there so um yeah it was just fun to really to be there and uh have an opportunity to play with all all my friends and uh all the family from New Orleans you know what I mean so that was a that was a really really special night and uh a really really fun night uh of music and just hanging and laughs and you know
0: it was a good yeah. time for sure it, it was a, yeah I definitely had a good time as well uh Here's how out of touch I am, though. So, like, I recently moved to to Northern California, so I haven't lived here that long. And I'd never been to the Greek theater. And there's another venue in downtown Berkeley, and I forget what the name of it is. Uh, and I was thinking it was there the whole time. So then we get there, and my buddy's like, are you going to grab a jacket? And I'm like, a jacket? I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, no, I'm not going <laughs> he's like, to... He's like, you know this is outside, right? And I was like, oh, it is? And he's like, yeah, this is like this old thing. And I'm like... Totally, totally like lost. Don't even know what the hell's going on. <laughs> and when we get there, I'm like, "Oh my god, this place is amazing!" Like that's that's yeah, a it's a really blocks. really cool. You know, feels like this ancient. You know, it feels like a ancient Greek amphitheater. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, seriously. Yeah, no, it was it was amazing. Like I said, when we first pulled up on the bus uh, around like eight nine o'clock in the morning, I just got out and uh, walked around and. It was amazing, man. Dude, like, you can go all the way to the top of the uh, theater and look over the stage and see, like, the Golden Gate Bridge and everything. Like, the scenic, the scene and everything is just, it's amazing. It's incredible, man. Again, I'm, I'm honored and uh, blessed to be able to have a chance to, to play that thing. Uh, finally, uh, like I said, with all of my friends. So that was, that was a special night for sure.
0: <laughs> Which is funny. Then you guys left and went and played the Greek Theater in L.A. <laughs>
1: right one one group to the next another yeah which is another you know bucket list being you to play yeah yeah never never thought that would ever happen in a million years but yeah i got both of them back to back which is kind of (laughs) insane
0: so i i know that i want to talk about like your previous stuff that you were doing before trombone Shorty and all that. But I thought it was interesting, which I didn't realize. And I think Stanton was telling me, and then you and I talked about it a little bit too, that you and the other drummer have known each other since like kindergarten?
1: Yeah. So believe it or not, me and uh, Joey Peebles, we actually met each other uh, at recess in kindergarten playing kickball. And uh, just so happening that we were literally – Sitting next to each other in a first kindergarten, first, second grade. Literally, right next to me was Joey Peebles. So it's kind of insane now to think that here we are uh, traveling the world, playing like all these amazing games, uh, sitting next to the same guy I was sitting next to in kindergarten. That was just pretty insane. <laughs> yeah.
0: So we, so were we you guys- have
1: a long history
0: were you guys uh were you guys both brought into the band together so for people who don't know Trumbo and Shorty has two drummers so um and a percussion player so
1: yeah Weedy Brown who's amazing
0: he's <laughs> Dude, insane like, man incredible insane yeah. uh so were you guys brought into the band together
1: No so when when the band first formed uh the band started a long time we all were in high school and uh Joey was in the band, when the band first started. And I was always around, because that was all my friends. So I've been seven shows and playing shows with the band here and there since, I don't know, maybe like 16, 17, or something like that. Uh, yeah, like off and on playing shows. And of course, I got into a bunch of touring and studio work with a bunch of different acts and artists. And uh, it just got to a point where we started being around each other more and cross paths path more on the road. And, uh, honestly, we were in Australia on the same bill, playing a festival. And, uh it just so happened. We were all staying in the same hotel for like a week. So of course, naturally I'm with all of my friends that I've been knowing for 20 years. Of course. So we were hanging every day and me and Joey would go running down the beach, along the beach in uh, Australia every day. And, uh, we just randomly had this idea that it would just be really cool for us to do double drums. You know, and we were like, okay, cool. The big New Orleans Jazz Festival was coming up and it would be cool to play at the uh, Trombone Shardy home uh, throwdown show that he does every year for uh, Jazz Fest at the Singer Theater. So that's where it all started. It all started with us being in Australia, talking about we should play together and Jazz bus was coming up in like maybe like two, three weeks. So we made it happen. We played one show and after that one show it was kinda of like magic and really special just to be there with um again, all your friends that you figured out and learned how to play music with, you know, I mean your entire life. Right. So we were like, Yeah, we should do this more often and next thing you know, here we are like three years later, like touring still. And hanging oh, and having a blast and playing music together.
0: What's the hardest part about playing with with I'm gonna say three drummers because it is three. It's two drummers and a percussionist, but what's what's the hardest part about that?
1: Uh the hardest part about it is uh figuring out where to get in and where to get out. That's the hardest part about it. You know what I mean? Because it's not just you when you're so used to playing along like we all the drummer the leader of the band, and we like driving the ship the whole time. So, you're so used to um, doing certain things because it's just you to make sure you have a full song as well as uh, driving the ship, you know. And uh, once you have another drummer as well as another percussionist, then a lot of that load is taken off of you, you know. And now, I-, I feel like for us, what works out. For the three of us, um, one, we're all, all three of us are friends, so we hang out away from just drums and shows. So we kind of know each other's personalities a lot. We know everyone's strong points and every, everyone's weak points. So for us, we like to sit down and really figure out um, what's going to work for the song, what's gonna make the song feel great? What's gonna make the song work? How can we drive the ship where it's not over the top and, you know, too busy? But, you know, it feels great and it's still we we have a lot of power and just giving the band the push that they all need and want and, and looking for. So I feel I feel like, you know, it's just figuring out how to get in and out and figure out the spaces and the and the timing of everything. You know, knowing mm-hmm. what's gonna work, what's not gonna work and how to stay out of the way pretty much. <laughs>
0: And this may be a hard question to ask, but what would you say that what would you say that some of your your strengths are, and what are some of your weaknesses? Because everyone has them, right? And like, it's not a bad thing or a good thing. It's just this is the thing that I excel at, or this is the thing that I'm I'm really good at, and, and here's some other things that's just not it's just not what I do.
1: Um, are you asking in general or with this band alone?
0: I'm asking you personally what you feel like some of your your strengths and weaknesses are. As a player,
1: uh, I think I think I think as a player, my strengths are that uh, I'm
0: I'm musical,
1: so I check out a lot of different things. Uh, luckily, because I play with a bunch of different acts, and every band that I, I work with are completely different musically, so I feel like I make great musical choices. Um, I I don't play too over the top. But I'm not, I'm not so far sitting in the back where it's like, it's it's boring and not giving the fan any energy. Mm -hmm. I would say my, I would say my weakness is uh, trying not to, my weakness would probably be figuring out places where not to go a little over the board with having fun in certain moments. If you know what I mean, right? Just uh, like overplaying. Because I, yeah, because I because of course you know I come up in a generation where the chop era is really insane, and a lot of my favorite drummers and the young generation are insane. Of course, pushing the pushing the, the the board the border with the chops and everything. And I grew up as a guy coming up in church and everything like that. So uh, I definitely have my moments where I'm like, oh man. I've been practicing all these damn rudiments for so long and then this moment is so open. I would love to play all this. Uh but you know, having that weak moment of like, uh, let me try this right here, let me push it a little, push the envelope just a tad bit, you know. So I right. I feel like that's that's kind of my weakness as well. I, I feel like every drummer has that weakness though. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah I, I mean, moment.
0: yeah, we're all like, look at this thing that i shed for six hours exactly. yesterday. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Like, look at this one lick that I've been practicing in my room all oh, night, right, you know, right. trying to figure out, and now I know how to play it. So I would say that's my weakness still to this day, for sure.
0: And I forget who I was talking to, and, and uh, I don't know if it was Ulysses Owens or I don't remember to be honest, but... He talks about like this idea of copying and pasting, which I always thought was interesting. Where he's like, you know, you can play musically, but a lot of guys just copy and paste. So they'll just take a lick that they learned last night, or they heard someone else play, and they'll copy it, and then they'll just paste it somewhere in yeah. the middle of a, in the middle of a song. But it doesn't really work in the middle of the song, or it it doesn't exactly. work where they they put it. You're just trying to trying to push it in there. And I I mean I think we're all guilty of that. I agree with you. Uh, is yeah, there definitely. any <laughs> Was there? Did you ever like learn the hard way that that's not what you should be doing? Like, did you get reprimanded yeah, or or yelled I at on stage?
1: So I, uh, I never got yelled at on stage, but I specifically remember one moment. So one of my one of my one of my biggest drum mentors uh, is this drummer Terrence Higgins from New Orleans. Yeah, I had Terrence uh, on here
0: a while ago. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I specifically remember one time. Uh, I was playing with Dirty Dozen Brass Band and um uh, which is like one of New Orleans finest brass bands. Like they're like mm-hmm. the pioneers of the brass band. I love Dirty Dozen. And uh and I remember getting the Dirty Dozen gig. I was really young, man, playing the gig with them and uh I was subbing actually at this point. But I was at this point in my life, I was really practicing like every day like I was watching YouTube all night long and could not wait for the sun to come up so I can get on my drums and practice everything that I watched. and uh I don't I don't remember the specific song we were playing but we're playing one song and it's like we there's the band has these hits in it and I was playing like all these crazy that I probably had just watched off like the Modern Drummer DVD with like Ronald <laughs> Bruner and Aaron Spears and all of them on it. Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. playing all these, like, and then when the gig was over, Terrence Higgins pulled me to the side, and he was like, don't ever embarrass me like that ever again.
2: Really? He was like
1: Play-? Yeah, he was like, first of all, you weren't playing from your heart at all. You were just playing from your head, thinking about everything that you watched last night. And he was like, at the same time, you were you had nothing to do with the genre of music that you were playing at all. You, you were so out of context that, you know, instead of you playing and thinking you were impressing everybody, you were making yourself look more like an idiot. Right. And I right. remember him saying that to me and I, I went home and, and I was honestly, I was heartbroken because it's like one of your my biggest influences as a drummer, you know, uh, telling me this, and I'm like, man, I've been practicing, I've been working on this and that. And, uh, but then it, it, it dawned on me it hit me that, you know, there's a time and a place for everything, even musically. You know, I, you, you hear that so much that there's a time and place for everything, and you don't even realize that that, that reverts back to music as well. Like, there's a time and a place for everything, you know, mm-hmm. and at that time, it was not the time, one, to be on a gig trying to, shed out on all these chops that I had just been watching, you know what I mean? And it definitely wasn't the place nor the genre of music because that had nothing to do with New Orleans second line or New Orleans drums at all, the stuff that I was playing. You know, so that was definitely my big moment where I just was like, okay, I I have to switch some things up and I I need to get some things together on my end, for sure.
0: Well, and I think that I think also that you have to be like that's part of the growing process. Right. And like one of two things happens at, if, if you want to, if you really want to take this seriously and if you not, maybe not even if you're going to go and, and play full time like you are, but if you're, if you want to take playing seriously, there's going to be some feedback that is meant out of love and is like, it's, it's tough love and it's constructive criticism. And you can do one of two things. You can sort of, run away with your tail between your legs and be completely destroyed by it. Or you can use it as a stepping stone to take your playing and your, and yourself as a musician to the next level. Right. And, and I, I think that you did the, you know, you did that. You took it and said, okay, man, this, like, I love this dude. This is my idol. He just really, you know, he really dropped it on me. And now I got to like, I got to figure this shit out. And if I'm yeah, serious daytime, about this, daytime. I got to be serious.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'll never forget that day. It actually kind of changed my life for sure. As a, as just as a musician and a drummer overall, you know, he definitely he laid the hammer down heavy on me.
0: Right. Right. And so, how did you? How did you start to make those changes? Like, can is there anything that you can share with like those changes that you actually made? Like, was it a mental thing? Was it a was it a physical thing? Like a playing thing? Was it a combination of both? I'd be interested to talk about
1: uh, that. I, honestly, I to, to tell you the God honest truth, everything changed for me as a player. Um, I had my daughter when I was twenty one years old, mm-hmm. and. Around that time, you know, like I said, I had just been practicing and going crazy. And, uh, but I had my daughter. And man, when I had my daughter, my whole life changed completely. I had never been like that inspired ever in my life. You know what I mean? To, mm-hmm. to, to really chase after my dreams and, and to really go hard. So once I had my daughter, um, that inspired me to really, Take music and everything in the culture of music serious into another level. So I started really diving into songs and the bands and the artists that I was playing with, and really doing some searching, trying to figure out like what was the artist thinking, what were what, what was the drummer thinking when he was recording these parts, like trying to figure, like trying to really like get myself in inside of the music so when it came time for me to play uh i was coming from a place where clearly i understood the music but as well as being myself in figuring out how to play the music uh from a young man's point of view but still all in context you know and mm-hmm. uh that time that time for me man it, it really it was really a special moment for me because that's really honestly when the ball got rolling for me um, in my career like I was doing things before that but yeah once I had my daughter man that 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 changed everything for me that's when just the whole idea of playing music playing the songs playing with feeling um making learning how to learning how to lead the band but as well as when you are playing behind the artist uh push the artist make the artist feel great you know uh drive the ship. like I really learned all those things uh at that point in my life, and, and uh, yeah, it was it was a special moment. But if I had to put my finger on anything, uh, it was definitely when, uh, yeah, when Blake Elena Ford was born, man, <laughs> for
0: sure. It's amazing. It's amazing. And what I what I hear when you say that is that you're like I became a professional, definitely. and not yeah. like, uh, and it, I don't. I, and when I say professional, I I don't think of like. I don't care if you play full-time or if you play part-time or if you play on the weekends and you have a day, I don't care what it is. But if you're a professional, then you take it seriously. And I have this theory that we as humans think that we will start, we will become a, how can I say this? We will develop these professional, quote unquote, professional habits and systems and processes and all that stuff once we get there. So we're like, yeah, yeah, of course, like when I'm touring all the time, like I'm going to be I'm going to be spending, you know, eight hours a day, like learning all these different drummers and how they played on these records. Yeah. When I'm touring all the time, I'm going to, you know, make sure that I'm charting out my tunes or I'm going to be doing this thing or I'm going to be studying and I'm going to be practicing more diligently and all that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It doesn't happen that way. You yeah, got to get you, you got to develop those habits all. first. Yeah. And then the you time. get there. Right. Yeah, no,
1: that's very that's very true, man. Like I said, we all, I like I can speak for myself. I definitely was one of them, you know. It's like oh, when I get to, when I get a call for a big gig or a big tour, like I'm going to be all the way on it and I'm going to have all my things together. And like you said, man, that is that is so far from the truth. It's like if you don't practice those things now, before you get to that point, by the time it gets to you, it's too late. And uh, if it ever I'll even gets to you. Thing, Exactly. If you ever get that moment, if that moment does not come to everyone. You know what I mean? Like getting a chance to do what you love for a living, especially in the music game, it's not as it's not as easy as it seems. And those calls and those big calls, those big tours, uh, that don't just happen every day. You know, so there's a lot of people that sit around and, and wait for that for years and years and years, man. And uh, I, I to go back to what you were saying about uh, you know, thinking you're going to just automatically do something. I remember my dad telling me a long time ago, my dad told me, he's like, if you're practicing and, and you get yourself ready now, you know, and, and you're ready for when the call comes, you don't have to worry about practicing and getting yourself ready, if that right. makes any sense. So right. he's basically saying, you know, if you work it out now and stay ready but when the call comes, you don't have to prepare yourself you're already ready. You already know about how to be a, prof- a professional. You already know about learning music and diving into the music and, and really you know, perfecting the songs and being able to just be on top of everything. you know? And because like you said, you don't have time to be like, oh, I'm just going to sit around and I'm not going to take anything serious now. I'll just wait for the day when I actually get the call. It doesn't work that way at all. It right. <laughs> really don't and of course you know like I said when we young we all we all think that way man. we all think we know it all we all like oh whatever now I'll wait until I don't know name your favorite pop star or whoever calls you for some gig and you're like oh I'm just going to turn on the switch that's not mm-hmm. the case at all it's,
0: it's not it's <laughs> such all. a such a foolish thing I love that quote too. like I, I, I'm sure that you know other people have said it too but I remember Will Smith saying he's like if you stay ready then you don't have to get ready Like exactly, Just be ready. I'm sure by now you've seen all these cryptic messages from Mapex on their Instagram page about a breakthrough in versatility and sound isolation and resonance control. Well, let me tell you, I did some digging and I found out not too much, but I found out a little bit. I had a conversation with them because they're advertisers on the podcast and they literally put me on hold on the call so they wouldn't release certain information. But here's what they told me. They said, Nick, this is a new concept in drum building. It's a revolution in sound production. We're introducing six or seven groundbreaking ideas when it comes to drum building. I was blown away by that, but that's all I got. That's all I know. Don't hit me up. I don't know anymore. I told him not to tell me anymore. That's all I know. But the good thing is you can follow along. You can join in on the conversation. Head over to Instagram, go to Mapex's Instagram account, or just search the hashtag built from the sound up. I cannot wait to see what is coming down the line here in the fall from Mapex. Check it out. Built from the sound up. I've said it once and I will say it again that you may sit at the back of the stage, but everyone knows the band revolves around us. We're the drummers because we set the tempo, the intensity, and most importantly, the tone. And for you, the best way to set that tone is to use Evan's drum heads with level 360 technology. Thanks to Level 360 technology, Evans Drumheads fit perfectly across the shell and allow for increased tension to help you find that sweet spot. Plus, they take you well beyond the normal tuning range for higher highs and lower lows, so now the sound you want will always be the sound that you get. Check out Evans Drumheads with Level 360 technology by going to evansdrumheads.com. Now more with my man Alvin Ford. I always have this thing where it's like, act as if, right? So, like, whoever you are, like, they have this. I remember in college, they were always like, dress for the job that you want, right? Like, dress for the job that you want, not for the job that you have, right? So, it's like, I just look at it like, act as if, like, if you think that you're gonna, like, think about all the things that you would do if you're doing, if you were in the position to be doing the thing that you wanted, right? So, like, if you wanted to be, this professional touring drummer or whatever it is, this guy who's in really good shape or whatever, like you can use this anywhere. And it's like, all right, we'll start doing that stuff now. And you will, you will fight. Fi- you will get there. Not just like, Oh, I got this call. Let me flip this switch and be like, all of a sudden I'm going to be this really disciplined, hardworking, getting up early, th- you know, eating healthy, staying, staying, you, you know, keeping everything expensive. in check, managing my money really well. Like that shit's not going to happen overnight, man.
1: You know? right <laughs> at all <laughs> I most more people knew that sorry
0: that's we're that's what we're doing here we're trying to educate
1: people <laughs> <laughs> we're trying
0: to let everybody know and i sorry. it's just i hear it i hear it a lot with um i deal with a lot of of people who are trying to figure out their career so i'll do like career consulting with them And a lot of times they're like, yeah, well, of course that guy practices four hours a day. Like, that's all he does for a living. And like, of course, this guy does that. Or of course, this girl does that. I'm like, yeah, how do you think they got there? They were doing that well before anyone was paying them to do it. Or, you know, they were learning tunes well before they were getting hired for the gigs.
1: Definitely, definitely. It's a lot of of those folks that you see that that are successful and doing their thing right now in the limelight they were doing everything behind closed doors and people weren't watching, you know? A lot of mm-hmm. people put in time and, and work and blood, sweat, and tears to, to kind of get to the point where you see them. So, you know, I, right. I hope people aren't still thinking that uh, things happen overnight, because that is not true at all. Man.
0: Nope. Jesus Christ. Nope. Yeah, not, not at all. I mean, when did you when did you start playing drums?
1: Uh, I don't exactly remember how old I was when I first started but I definitely remember when I was six years old I had my first church job when I was six
0: right and then and what I was, was like, your first like big gig church.
1: big gig
0: I mean not um, huge but like what was your real like professional okay, first like my first, professional my gig?
1: first my first professional gig that I remember uh, outside of well two things I've I vividly remember. I remember being twelve years old, um, and I would go to this my dad would take me to this gospel convention every year, uh, called Gospel Music Workshop in America. And uh man, everybody was at this convention playing, uh Thomas Pridgen, uh Aaron Spears, Jamal Moore, uh, uh Robert Split Seawright, um, No pressure Mike there. Reed. Uh yeah no it was literally every drummer you could think of Colin White uh I don't know man, it was everybody playing at this convention uh so when I was twelve I remember uh making a cut for the the record that they did for like the U Choir and that was really that was like a really big deal for me um because I was watching all these guys that I just thought were they were mind blowing drummers um yeah like I grew up in church in New Orleans, but i had never seen guys play drums like this, especially not guys that are my age, man. Like I remember when I first met my buddy, Ron Allen and uh, Sean Allen, and, man. Uh, and they tour the world right now with everybody. Um, but when I first met those dudes and they like, we were, like around the same age, to hear guys play drums, the way they were playing drums was just mind-blowing to me. I was like, I had to beg my dad, like, Dad, can I please walk around and just hang with these dudes all week? And right. our parents were like, we was like 9 and 10 years old, we like, we like hanging around at this uh, workshop, and we do it every year, man. And, uh, yeah, when I was 12 years old, uh, they were doing, like, these auditions for the carding, and I made it, which was pretty insane for me, but, uh, that was cool, but I'll probably say my first professional gig was when I was a senior in high school, uh, I got a gig with this guy from New Orleans uh, called Big Sam. He had a band called Big Sam's Funky Nation. And
0: um, uh, yeah, uh, my family
1: member, yeah, and my, my family member was, this drummer, this uh, guy, Eddie Christmas, amazing drummer from New Orleans. Uh, and Eddie had just got the job playing for uh, this artist, John Cleary, uh, based out in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So he was leaving the band, and uh yeah, he just Isn't told Terrence playing like, oh,
0: with man, Doesn't didn't did Terrence just record with John?
1: Yeah, Terrence Terrence recorded on the on the record that they want a Grammy for
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. Sorry, yeah. go ahead.
1: So no, so uh yeah, Eddie got the gig and was moving on and he was telling him he's like, Man, you should you should hire my own cousin, Alvin. And Vic Sam grew up in the same churches we did. So he remembered me from being a little kid man, and uh, he was like, oh yeah, Alvin could play. I remember playing when he was like six, seven years old. I know you can play now. So <laughs> one day he asked my uncle to bring me by, like the maple leaf, uh, mm-hmm. walked in and all he did was literally walk into the stage, looked at me in light. and was like, okay. Yeah. I, I could lie and say it's your 21st birthday every night. Okay, cool. You got the <laughs> gig. And, <laughs> and just like that, I was in the band, man. And I was, leaving out every weekend at that point, my senior high school to, to play with Big Sam. And uh, nice. that was a dream come true for me because I was just like, I was watching Terrence and Stanton and all of them travel. And I was like, man, I, it would be so cool if I could get a gig where I can go from city to city playing my own drum set. I don't know why I thought that was just so amazing to see pictures of like Stanton and Terrence going, like saying they in Austin tonight and see their drum set. And then, Say tomorrow night they're playing in Tampa, Florida with their same drum set that I th yeah. that was the coolest thing in the world. And I was like, Man, one day I'm gonna go on a tour where I can bring my drums from city to city and play. And uh yeah, and I got big fam gig at seventeen and that was that was my moment. And uh yeah, I I man, I'm still appreciative of him for that for sure to this day. That was and he, a good time for me.
0: And one of the main reasons why I asked you that was so when you all right, so you started playing, I'm guessing right three, four years old, how old were you? like you were young, right?
1: uh, yeah, I was really young because i like I said, by the time i was uh by the time I was uh six years old, I had my first job, my first church job where right. I was like the main drummer
0: so if you started playing drums, let's just say you were five when you started playing drums. getting that gig at sixteen or at seventeen you're already 12 years in, right? So right, right. for me, I started playing drums when I was 15. So like me getting it, like I think people might look at you and be like, and get discouraged and be like, oh man, when he was 17, like he was out touring and all that stuff. And it's like, yeah, but he started when he was four or five. <laughs> right? He didn't start when he was 15. Right. And you know what I mean? So for me, right. that would be like getting a gig when I'm, when I'm 20, you know, when I'm 29 years old. No one would be like, "Oh right. man, he, he got that gig really early." And so I think that we always look from the outside and we don't understand that, like, that people have, like, even the Beatles when they came out, like they were really young, and it's like, yeah, but they had already been playing for ten years.
1: Exactly. Exactly. You know man, what I mean? It's crazy. Like I I I always said to people now when they talk about when they ask about playing with a Ramon Shorty's band, you know, because I'm just like, well, yeah, you see it now, and it's. Like, you know, it is what it is at this point. Uh, but the band started in high school. We all met each other at the Louis Armstrong music camps when we were, like, 10, 11. We were playing at the Tinas Foundation camps and doing those things, like, literally 10 years old. Like, right. of course, I knew Joey from kindergarten. But we met, like, Troy and Mike and Josh, the guitar player, uh, the bass player. We met, like, all those guys by the time. We were, like, 10 and 11 twelve years old. So we were all literally playing like at the music camps and everything, you know, playing to you know at the Tippatinas Foundations where they let the, the kids, the students come up and play and then at the end the students get a chance to play a song in front of your parents and the teachers or whatever band that would do the master class, which would sometime maybe be Galactic or maybe it would be like Preservation Hall doing the you know, the master class at Tipotinas. But You know, we would play those things and play to twelve people, which are like our teachers who did the master class and our parents combined. You know, so we we've been playing for a really a really long time. It didn't just come to you know overnight playing the Greek Theater or Red Rocks or anywhere else like that. You know, we we play uh for such a long time, man, a long time for sure.
0: It's such I think that's such an important thing that people need to realize. It's like, okay, well when, when you were ten, you were out playing baseball, not playing drums and doing right. all this stuff. You know what I mean? So like what do you have do you have advice for people who come to you who are like, Man, you know, I'm I'm I've been playing for a while, like nothing's hitting, like I'm not I just don't feel like I'm making progress, anything like that. Like I'm sure you get that question a lot, right? Yeah,
1: definitely, definitely. My 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 thing for those folks are uh if you if you really invested in it and you really believe in and truly believe that this is what you want to do, you have to go after it. You have to you can't let anything discourage you. Uh, my honestly, to be to be real, my the one person that I always use for reference in this situation, and it's not even a trauma believe it or not, uh, I use this the singer, uh, the late great Sharon Jones from the mm-hmm. Dap Kings. Um, because of course, we all know how huge that band was and how amazing she was, but I believe the band that band didn't pop off. At least things didn't pop off of Sharon Jones until she was late thirties, almost forty years old. Right. Was when I mean, look at West Montgomery. Her,
0: you know, West Montgomery was that exactly. old. You know.
1: Yeah, but it's like you know, think about if Sharon Jones, how amazing she was, how huge she was, how impactful she was to the world. Um, not just singers, but just musicians. Everyone, how impactful she was. Imagine if Sharon Jones was just like, "Well, I'm 25 now, and it didn't work out. I'm 30 now, and nothing still didn't happen. I'm 33, 34, and and it still didn't happen. You know what I mean? Like, what if she would have gave up on it? So I always look at, I always use her as a reference, as like, man, if you work after something, if you work for something, and go after your dreams. And really believe and work hard, then things are going to manifest for you you know what I mean things things truly will happen and uh, i I truly believe that great things happen to those who work hard for it you know what I mean and and go after go after their dreams you know what I mean you, you can't give up you can't get discouraged because there's some bumps in the road, does so that happen you know mm-hmm. what I mean it happens like every it it isn't it isn't all sweet you know like of course, yeah, I started at 17, but it wasn't 17. Yeah, I did this. And then next thing you know, I was on tour buses and playing, you know, what I mean, there was downtime as well where I didn't have gigs. You know, what I mean, like it happens to the best of them, but you know, that, that didn't stop me from doing anything. That just made me sit home, practice and keep it going, keep working after it, keep going after my dreams. Like I always told myself that I was going to travel the world and I was going to be. I was going to be a a drummer and a a great musician and I I remember specifically my girlfriend telling me that everybody, if I work hard, all the drummers that I sit at home and watch on YouTube all day, all those guys would know your name and they all would know who you are and know you as a drummer. You know, you'd be in a drum magazine, you'd be doing the drum interviews and doing all those things, you know, and Mm -hmm. uh, that that was some some hell of a motivation for me, you know, and uh, like I say, I'm I'm a, I'm a living witness to it, you know, so I, I always try to tell people uh, when they talk about those situations where I'm like, man, listen, uh, I know it's hard to believe sometimes like to see people coming off tour buses and playing big venues and all that stuff like that and having endorsements and all that, and I know sometimes it's hard for people to, to really grasp the idea of that person was in your shoes, but I literally was that guy. You know, like I've vividly remember sitting like on my apartment floor with uh with my girl and we were sitting down trying to draw ideas like well maybe scheme up plans like well maybe if maybe you could get a gig playing with this person who can possibly get an opening slot for some band playing at red rocks you know like mm-hmm. we would right. sit on my apartment floor i wouldn't even have any gigs with anybody i would just be sitting there like well maybe this band is going to be at this jam session, so maybe I can go sit in, get in cool with the band. Maybe they'll think I'm cool enough and they'll hire me to play with them. Uh, and they're a really good band, so maybe they'll get an uh, opening spot for who God knows who, some random artist that would think they're dope to put them on the play of Red Rocks. And I remember saying that, man, and we were like twenty, twenty one, 21, sitting on my apartment floor talking about that, not knowing that, a couple of years down the line that my first time ever playing Red Rocks would be with uh, Electronic Artist Pretty lights headlining for Two Sold Out Nights. You know, yep. but it's one I was going to say, you just played at like, Red Rocks, you know,
0: too.
1: Yeah, and just played again. Uh, we did Two Nights again this year, Sold Out with Pretty Life, and then I was just there uh, a few days ago with Trumbone Shardy. You know, mm-hmm. so it went from me not even knowing how I would even get a gig, you know, opening for someone to every time I've ever played Rare Rocks was headline. So that'll show them. You know, so it's a it's really thing where like I said, I was in I was in that chair. I was the guy sitting down like, Man, I want this and I want that but I you know, it's it's true. If you really practice and go after things and you believe that yeah, that your insane dreams are that if you can achieve them that those things really happen for you, man. Like seriously. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a living, I'm, I'm a living witness of it, man, for sure.
0: And I think that what I hear too is the difference between you and a lot of people is you said you wanted to do something and then you did it like you did. There were things that you did and you worked your ass off. And what I see from a lot of people is they talk a big game and then they sit home on their couch playing video games, wondering why they can't get any gigs. And yeah. man, I, di- I did this thing and like, whatever, I'm calling people out. I did this thing. I put this post up on Instagram and I was like, hey, I'm doing i uh, I'm going to do a personal fitness challenge because I think that part of being a good drummer is you got to be in shape, you got to be healthy, all those things, right? I said, does anyone else want to join and we can sort of hold each other accountable? And that way, like, we're all part of this. And I bet 75, maybe 80 people sent me a message. Dude, I'm in. Dude, I'm in. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it, right? I sent everyone all the information about it, right? Guess how many people did it? How many? Take a guess.
1: (laughs) Uh let's say about twenty, twenty five.
0: Zero. Oh my
1: God. <laughs> zero.
0: Dude, zero. So like wow. so and I think about that with I think about that a lot. And I'm not like coming down on anyone. I'm just saying that it's easy to talk a big game and it's easy to be like, man, I'm gonna be playing at Red Rocks and I'm gonna be touring all over the place and everything. And I think the difference between someone like you and someone who doesn't do it is the middle ground of, of understanding how much work it takes. And I man, it's think... A, it, it's, it's a lot, man, for sure. Am I right?
1: No, you, you're absolutely right, Man, I, I, I I'll tell people uh, I, I got to use Stanton more as a reference as far as like a hard worker Mm-hmm. He's by far one of the hardest-working dudes I've ever seen in my life. Seriously. Yep. Like, we see all the things, we see all the success that he's having as a drummer, but he is a hard work man. Like, I'm talking every night on tour, after playing shows, we hanging out. He's up at, like, 8 a.m. in the morning, like, answering emails. By the time we make it to the venue, by noon, he's probably off doing a drum clinic somewhere, comes back, <laughs> he does his sound check. After sound check he comes and do like an online thing, something like that, with a filming. And then it's time to play the show. And right. I literally watched him do this like every almost every day for two months we were on this tour on a on a, a, a Tremont Shadi tour. And I watched him do it for like two months. And I honestly could not believe it. Like I was kind of in awe because I always, like I said, I've been knowing him for years. I probably met Stanton when I was like fourteen years old, fifteen or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so he always kind of was very helpful with me and, with the drum industry and you know just how the the business side of things and how everything worked. But you know, like I said, I've been knowing him for years. But to be on the road with him, seeing him every day for like two months, uh, that was mind blowing for me because he he's definitely uh. The person that says oh you know what i want to try to do this and actually act on it and make it happen and, and mm-hmm. do it you know and uh that is mind-blowing man that 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 that's my best he's a hard-working person so i yeah i always feel like if you want to be successful and you say you want to do something you really have to act upon that like you really have to you have to come up with a plan and and try your hardest to to go through and get to get to that get through that tunnel. You know, those tunnel roads are it's dark, man, but you keep chipping away. There's gonna be some light at the end for sure. Mm-hmm. You know? There's definitely gonna be some light at the end of the tunnel. Um and like I said, just with Stanton man, uh I was using it for a reference because it was it was insane to see someone that's already successful you know, like he's already successfully uh, doing what he wants to do. You know what I mean? He's talking yeah. about a guy that's already <laughs> been on the cover of Modern Drummer, like two or three times. And he's already played the Modern Drummer drum festival, uh, been on the DVDs, and been at the PACIC festival, playing all the drum uh, festivals and uh, touring the world. He's already playing all these, he's already doing that, but still outworking all of the folks who's trying to get to that point. Right. That's, that's mind blowing and insane to me, you know. So that I like I said, I was already inspired and motivated to work. Uh but seeing him for the past two months have kinda, you know, made me kick things up a notch uh for my own self as far right. as, you know, acting acting upon things. Like don't just say you wanna do something and and just sit around thinking it's gonna come while you're on YouTube or uh I don't know, watching Game of Thrones or something like that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like The thing with Stan too, like he's been
0: doing that for years. Like it's not, he didn't just start doing it last week. You know, he's been doing it for for 15 years. It's like, he was telling me that when he was learning brush work, he would get up at 6am on the bus and just sit on the front seat of the bus and just, and do brushes. And I was like, it's insane. Like after a gig and, uh, (laughs) yeah. <laughs> and he was telling me this and one night we were in Philly uh back when I lived in Philly and we were he was playing at the I forget where he was, I think we were at the electric factory or something. So afterwards, everyone was going to the like upstairs to this after party thing. And Stan's like, No, I'm gonna go shed after the show. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, everyone's partying oh, okay. and you're gonna go into this room and shed. He's like, Yeah, man, I got some stuff I'm working on. I'm just like, you're You're a maniac, which is like, I don't know. I think it all goes back to that idea of like, if you, if you want something that you're going to have to, you're going to have to work for, you're going to have to do it consistently. And I think the good news is you're probably closer than you think, but the, the, that divide is you cross that divide by. By by doing the work, and like when you look at someone like yeah. you, or Stanton Moore, or Brian Fraser Moore, or Calvin Rogers, or anyone, right. I always tell people, I'm like, if that's what you want to do, like that's your competition. Are you working as hard as them? Like, are you exactly. putting in that much effort? If you're not, you're gonna lose. Sorry. Yeah, you, just, have,
1: you have no chance if you if you not put it. Right. Those guys are putting in work, man. Like Calvin Rogers is. Oh, my God. Bro. He's one of my favorite... Drum- like, he changed my life when I heard him play John P. He Rain on us when I was a kid. Like, changed my life. But Calvin Rogers is nonstop working and working on his craft and, fig- like, he still posts up videos of him practicing drum links, talking about he's figuring something out. And he like, you watch the clip, and you're like, bro, you have it figured out. What are you, <laughs> what are you trying right. to figure out? But, right. you know, when... When the, the, the top of the top guys are still at it, like you see Aaron Spears, who we all know is insane, and he's still like, oh, I'm putting in work, I'm practicing. I'm, I'm doing this and that. Like That should be the motivation of all motivation for any drummer that's trying to figure it out to get to the point where it's like, okay, uh, yeah, I don't have time to sit around at all because the guys who are killing the game right now, and killing the industry, doing that thing, they're still practicing. Like yep. all this, t- the, they're still practicing. They're still like working on their craft and still figuring out ways to get better. You know, so yeah, man, you you have to you have to act you have to act on those things. right? Like, you can't you can't just think it, it happens overnight. If that it just doesn't it just don't work that way trust me we all wish it did
0: (laughs) yeah i wish i could just sit around and have people knock on my door and be like here's checks and here's gigs you know like (laughs) if anyone can figure out how to do that and don't fall for the stuff that you see on instagram where people like here's how i make thirty thousand dollars a week sitting on a beach (laughs) oh my god yeah (laughs) i'm like dude don't you think if that was the case everyone would just do that come on uh, exactly. And you know the interesting, the interesting thing, like I've so I've done, I don't know, four hundred and thirty of these interviews so far. You know what I mean, and. Jesus Christ. The thing, and I'm I'm not saying it like what I'm. That wasn't a pat on the back for myself. The reason why I was saying it is, you know what? One of the most common threads that I see with everyone, because everyone I have on here is successful, professional. You know, like some of them are are the greats. Like I've had Steve Gad and you know Brian Fraser Moore and Lil John Roberts and all these people. It's humility. Like they're all humble. Everyone is humble, and. I think that is because they understand the work, and I think that they understand no one wants to work with you if you're a jerk, and I think that it. I think that people realize that they're always going to be an eternal student, and that's very true. Those are the people that make it, quote very unquote, true. make I, it. I, I hate. I hate saying make it, but
1: man, I never forget. Like one one important thing, um, my dad. I uh, mean, my dad is, like, my my dad is, like, my biggest uh, drum, uh influence. My dad was a, a drummer uh, from New Orleans, a gospel drummer, did a bunch of recordings with uh gospel artists. Uh I'll never forget my dad telling me um, to... My dad always told me two things. He said, never... I would call him all the time, be like, oh, dad, I got this call for this gig, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, okay, cool, great, but... Don't get excited because they call you for the gig. Get excited if they called you back. If they call you back. Because if yeah. you get a call back, that means you did something right. Don't right. get excited for the call. Anybody that can play drums can get a call.
2: Mm-hmm. I'll
1: never forget him telling me that. I also remember him telling me... Uh, always remember to be, be humble, be able to be around people, uh, be cool, be able to chill out. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day when you go out on tour, you're living with folks. And I think mm-hmm. that's what most people fail to realize is you can be the baddest drummer in the world, but if you are an idiot or an a-hole, I don't want to curse on the podcast. Oh, you can curse. I curse on the podcast um,
0: all the time. It's okay.
1: Okay, great. If you're an <laughs> asshole, <laughs> no one is going to work with you because at the end of the day, to be completely honest with you, The shows on tour are maybe 90 minutes to two hours max. Right. An hour and a half to two hours max. So the one thing that you are amazing at, you're only really doing that for about two hours max on tour. The other 22 hours out the day, people have to feel like they can live with you and be around you. Mm Mm-hmm. And if people can't be around you, if people, if you bring a bad energy into the room or a bad vibe, you'll be gone with the quickness. Because again, those shows are only 90 minutes to two hours max
2: mm-hmm. out
1: the entire day. The only thing that people like you for, <laughs> you're only doing it for 90 minutes. Two yep. hours. The other 22 hours, no one wants to be around you at all. You and you know, the interesting
0: the interesting kidding? thing like when you <laughs> exactly you you're not going to work cuz pe- like there's a thousand great drummers out there. And man, sorry I, 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 man,
1: I <laughs> there's a there's millions of everyday man I'm I'm so grateful and thankful uh every day and uh, like I said I'm blessed to be in this position because I know countless of drummers that can play man they can play me under the table. You know what I mean? Under the table. It's so, uh, I agree, man. A million drummers in the world. Jesus Christ. And if you're not
0: cool, then, then they don't want to work with you. I think the case in point, I interrupted you, and I'm sorry. The case in point was when, like, even at the, the show that I was at, everyone who's playing in the bands afterwards is hanging out backstage afterwards. Like, kicking yeah. it. And, you know, telling stories and drinking. and You know, because it's like... We like each other. We're friends. We get along. We're a family. You have to be because if not, it's just it's not going to work. And if you're the guy who's the jerk, you know, and they're like, man, you know, like every man, Alvin's just like, he's just a dick, you know, or like he's hard to deal with or like, you know, he's he's grumpy all the time or whatever. Guess what? Alvin ain't going to be on the tour next next time, you know, at all.
1: Right. I mean, (laughs) can you imagine being on tour for two months with people you don't like?
0: I, dude, I've been there. I've been there, not in my band, but in the in the other band, and I'm like, I do not like this dude. And coincidentally, he got fired.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, Monster can't drummer bring, can't bring that. Yeah, exactly. But it doesn't matter. It does not matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter at all. Yeah, they call the next person up, and there's definitely someone always waiting to take your spot. Always right.
0: That's All the, the most important part is to realize that like there's always someone next in line, or and you could be the next guy exactly. in line. Yeah,
1: it could be you. Again, you can be the next one up. Like I definitely know I had my chance uh, for sure. Where I was like the next guy I was like the next young New Orleans drummer, you right. know. And I I had my I had my chance, but just like I had my chance, I can name you at least five or six drummers in New Orleans right now that's up, that's working, that's doing their thing, but they're like the next up. You know, right. we have like Alfred Jordan, uh, uh, my little brother, Ashton Ford, there's Devin trustclair there's uh, Brian Richburg, there's Walt Lundy, there's like all, man, there's so many drummers that's in the city that's like the next up. That's, and all the young, hungry, can play amazing you know they're all just sitting there waiting. Like you know, okay, as soon as it's my turn, I'll I'll be there. I'll be ready, waiting to walk through the door. Right, and that's the reality of the situation. There's always the next person in line,
0: mm-hmm. all the time. For sure, people got to keep that in mind. So, yeah, big time, man. So, if people uh, are trying to keep up with what you're doing, what's the best way that they can they can follow you and and Tag along, see what you see what you got going on. See you live. I recommend going to see him live. So, where's the best places they can do that? Oh
1: man, the best place I'll tell you is follow me on Instagram. Uh, My Instagram, how I know is Albert Ford Junior. All right, you go to Facebook, Albert Ford Junior. I know Instagram is like the main thing right now. What we all are doing. Uh, So if you go follow me on Instagram at Albert Ford Junior. Uh, you see everything that I'm working on. I'm always posting up about everything, uh, between, uh, Trombone Shorty, uh, Pretty Light, Dumpster Funk. Uh, I'm going out doing some shows, uh, the next couple of days with, uh, Carl Denton, um, uh, Grace Weber, uh, PJ Martin, uh, I have a bunch of stuff happening. But the best way to find me, guys, Alvin Ford Jr., uh, I follow people back because I, I want to see what's going on with everyone as well. So yeah, if you're trying to reach me, that's the best place, man. You can see any and everything that's going on with me. For sure.
0: And the stuff you do on Instagram is cool. Cause you're always like shooting behind the scenes stuff and like whatever town you just rolled into, you're always showing the stage yeah. and your gear and you know, all that kind of stuff, which I, which I dig.
1: Yeah. It's well, trying to keep everybody up on what's, what's happening what's going on. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get better at it now with the Instagram thing for the longest oh man my my companies would get me to try to post videos, and I was just like, man, I don't have time to. I'm not even thinking about that when I get to a gig at all right but um uh, yeah i I'm, I'm yeah I'm getting back, I'm getting better with it, y'all, so definitely I'll keep y'all up on what I'm playing and the gear I'm using and where I'm at, and even try to put up some snippets of uh some shows or sound check or or something, you know what I mean." Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. I'm excited to see. Like, I, man, I wish I could see you with Carl Denson. I'm looking. I played with Carl back in, the, not with him, but uh, my band and, and Carl Denson's Tiny. Or no, no, no. It wasn't. We played. Uh, it was Gray Boy All Stars. Um, okay. We, we did a bunch of shows with with Gray Boy and Carl. And Carl was there, obviously. Um,
1: yeah, it's gonna be funny. He's doing like these Almond Brothers tribute shows. So yeah, that should be really really fun. Like I said right now, I'm diving into listening to to J-Mo and Butch right now you know yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's that's my life right now like trying to dive into that what's going on with them and where are they coming from playing uh some of the music which is really cool because uh like I met J-Mo a few times with Dumpster Phone comes up uh-huh. a lot of Dumpster Phone shows when we come through New York <laughs> but uh now I get a chance to kind of you know try to sit in his shoes or sit in his seat and and uh you know Approach music and see where he was coming from with it. So that's actually what I've been checking out. Honestly, probably the last I'll say three weeks, or something like that. Diving into the Almond Brothers catalog, which is really nice.
0: cool. Nice, good deal, man. Well, uh, first of all, I want to I want to thank you for taking the time to do this because I appreciate it. I know you're a busy dude. Second of all, man, it was it was an honor to to meet you in person and then to get you on the podcast, which has been great. And uh, uh, I
1: appreciate
0: it, of course. Shout out to Andrew Campanelli Thanks. too. I think he, uh, we, he, oh, you Campy. guys, you guys oh, are boys that, and
1: that, oh what man that that's one of my close that's one of my close homies. Uh, shout out to Campy uh, song just went platinum uh, for a song that he put out with his band the Revivalist. Uh, catch them if they come to a town near you or city near you. Uh, good friends from New Orleans, been knowing them guys way before any of this crazy madness took off. So I'm so so happy uh so happy for campy uh, as well as PJ the other drummer they have two drummers in the band yeah. as well uh, their new song just went number one uh, so yeah now I'm happy at right now it's just a it's just a good time for New Orleans and all of my friends on the city uh, everybody's doing great things and uh yeah I'm just excited about everything that's going on that it's, it's really cool nice so it's just funny that you said you mentioned campy because me and campy uh, maybe like right before tour started, uh maybe come about like a month two, three months ago, we went to our annual spot that even Stanton we go with Stanton as well to this place called Lily and we was just talking about just like all the madness that's going on. That We like I said, work hard towards your dreams, man. Like you just never know. Right like, who in a million years would have thought the us would have a song to go platinum. uh yeah, like, I I've never in a million years thought I would I would get a Grammy nom for working on the record That's like amazing. this shit which was insane but that just goes to show man like I said uh, if you dream something and you work hard towards it anything is possible man anything
0: there you have it there you have it Alvin my man thank you so much for doing this dude I do appreciate it
1: uh, thanks for having me I appreciate it big time
0: anytime man So that was Alvin Ford Jr. Check him out. Like he said, follow him on Instagram. He's just at Alvin Ford Jr. A-L-V-I-N-F-O-R-D-J-R. And he's always sharing really cool stuff and backstage. And like I said, you know, the stage and his drums and, and all that kind of stuff. So definitely check him out. Leave a rating or review. If you dig this podcast, you can do that on iTunes. Or just, just shoot me an email or hit me up on Instagram. if you're And if you're not following Drummer's Resource on Instagram. Uh, you should do that too. It's just drummer's resource. Check it out. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.